hello and welcome back to Murder Analyzed. So lovely to see you all again. I'm sorry for my short break. It was about a three month break, but I shall go into that on some of the other videos. This is a really important um, case this because we spoke about this case in March 2021 uh, where we put out, um, I, so I suppose we put out some posts to say, can you help find Sarah? Um, had anyone seen her? Anyone looking at their CCTV? You know, their um, webcams, their door cams, their car cams, all this sort of stuff was put all over the place. And all of, um, I think, murder analyzed people and um, people on other sites, criminal crime sites, literally spread this out worldwide. Now, um, within a few days, Sarah's body was found. And so I sort of left it at that. There was issues with this case right from the off, okay? Um, because this is a serving police officer, uh, a metropolitan police officer that had um, done this crime. There was issues on his arrest, I'll tell you that now, where it looked like he was going to go for um, a defence, really, um, of uh, insanity or diminished responsibility, however you want to put it. And so I really didn't want to touch on this case until this case had been finalised. And, it, and this is quite a quick case actually to be finalised because it was from start to finish around six months. So this is the Sarah Everard case. And it is uh, a very up-to-date case. It's just been concluded a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think the murder took place on the 3rd of March uh, 2021. And uh, Sarah was a 30 three-year-old um, who was kidnapped in South London. She was also then uh, raped and murdered by a serving police officer, Wayne Cousins. Uh, and this is the story really, so I'm going to give you a brief outline and then we'll go into more facts of the case. So anyway, let's get on with it. So on the evening of the 3rd of March no, uh, 2021, Sarah Everard, this 33-year-old, I think she was a marketing executive, uh, she was kidnapped from South London. Now, we all knew, didn't we, that something had gone on because there was CCTV footage of her and all of a sudden she just disappeared. That was it. She was gone. Not a hair or sound of her anywhere, actually. And so this is when police really, really started to think, hang on a minute, you know, there's something not right here. One, you usually find a body, and we've had a few of these in the last couple of weeks in London where the bodies have been found the next day. With Sarah's, there was absolutely nothing. She literally had just disappeared. One minute she was on CCTV, the next minute she was gone. There was no more sightings of her. That was it for poor Sarah. So she was walking from Brixton Hill, uh, and I think you might remember me saying all this in the stuff we'd done back in March. And then she, because, um, and I think her friend's house was near um, Clapham Common. So the Metropolitan Police Officer, um, Wayne Cousins, he arrested her falsely under, and put her under arrest actually for COVID-19 um, breach of regulations. So he said, now listen, in March in this country, and I'm talking about England, I don't know how it is with your countries, not many of us actually knew where we stood when it came to COVID-19 regulations. You know, we was having pensioners, old age pensioners, handcuffed by police outside like supermarkets for not wearing a mask. So there was lots of issues concerning what you could and couldn't do around these COVID-19 regulations at this point. So I want you to remember this as you you think, you know, this is a serving police officer here now has approached a young girl and forcibly, you know, arrested her uh, and he did arrest her under these false charges of COVID-19 charges. Listen, this girl, whether you're legally minded or not, I don't think anyone at that point really knew what you could and couldn't do. So this case is really uh, a strange case when it comes to the outcome of this case, not just the murder, but what's been going on after this. So anyway, he then arrested her, he handcuffed her, put one hand behind her back. And as I said, we did ask for information about anyone with their webcams or car cams or door cams, because we've all got them, haven't we, these days, especially in London. 
But this police officer knew you see this area. And he knew that in this area there wasn't no CCT ca camera on that street. He was quite prepared for this uh, abduction and murder, should I say. Um, but what he did underestimate was that the general public's real care to find this girl. Everyone searched their door cams, their webcams, their car, you know, um, car cams. And um, I think in the end, actually, it was a bus cam that picked them up. There was also a couple driving past at the time of Sarah was being arrested by Wayne Cousins. And they saw that she was generally, you know, and in London, lots of people are arrested every day. And just because you're a 33-year-old woman means nothing if you're being arrested. Anyone can be arrested. And that as the car drove by us, the couple saw that the girl was willingly putting her hands behind the back and she was being um, arrested for something and handcuffed. So to them, it didn't seem like anything was out of the ordinary. It happens every day in London. People get arrested all the time. Um, and uh, that was it. So until Sarah's case then hit the headlines and people were looking for her, their sightings really didn't mean much. But I think because we have a lot of police and we have a lot of police in London that drive around and Cousin's car was also picked up on actually police cameras and stuff from their cars, it was also picked up on bus cameras. And as you can see by this photograph I'm going to show you of um, Cousin's and um, Sarah literally being talks, talking to just before she was handcuffed and placed in that car. And what I've done with this picture is that I've put the photos from CCTV of Sarah and him, the real life ones, and you can see the CCTV image. Even though the images are not great, you can definitely see it was these two. And then um, that was upheld by the people in the car that saw him, the registration of his car that was there, and also by the bus cam that picked up all this. So what he done then, he's, uh, he's She's got her in the car, hasn't he? He's arrested her. She's willingly got into this car. She's willingly been handcuffed, all right, hands behind the back. He's shown, hasn't he, his uh, warrant card that he is a serving police officer, he's a Met police officer, he's actually an armed police officer at that point as well in the training. So um, this man would have come across as real because he was real. This was a real serving metropolitan police officer who had finished his duty in the morning, drove home, hired a car, come back into London to find a victim. Now, there was no way that he knew Sarah Everard ever. This girl was a victim and it could have been anybody. She could have been anybody. He had planned the murder, but the murder, the murdered girl could have been anyone. Sarah was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. So okay, he's got her in the back of this car and uh, she thinks she's going to be taken to one of the local police stations to be processed and stuff and he continues to drive. You now you have a girl now, 33 year old, quite small girl and on, on camera I even said that when I first saw this footage of her. She looked very young because it turns out this man liked him young. But she looked very young, she was very dainty. You know, walking along you would have thought she was a lot younger than she was. I don't think it mattered to him to tell the truth by this point. Anyway, she's got in this car, the hands are tied behind her back with the handcuffs. She had no escape now. Now he's going to drive now for about, I think, an hour, 40 minutes. What a terrible drive for this girl to have. We don't know what Wayne Cousins said to her in that vehicle, but we can imagine the fear that she must have been going through, knowing that she was probably going to die. I don't think what we know about him now, I don't think the pretense would have lasted long. The minute he got her in the car, the minute then that he had her handcuffed and he was in control of that situation, I don't think he would have held back on what he was saying to Sarah Edward. I think the fear of her is one of the things that he actually enjoys, that power, that control. 
that's what a lot of them like, isn't it? And I think, I think with him, that was one of the main things. He's now in control. He's now, God knows what he's saying to her because he's not going to tell you, is he? But I think this girl knew she was going to die from quite early on. Anyway, he's um, drove her near Dover, uh, where he raped and strangled her uh, before burning her body and disposing it. Um, the remains like in a nearby pond and a pond of where land I think the land that he owned his family owned so listen this case is a disturbing case all right it's a disturbing case because it's a psychological case as well I think yes he's a murderer I think he's done a lot more Wayne Cousins than we know about but this man this serving police officer took this young girl off the streets raped and murdered her then tried to lie about it now, if it hadn't been for the development of the dash cams and the, you know, um, doorbell cams and the bus cams, this man would not have been caught. And this would have been another body that I'm telling you now, we would never have found. So it makes me think what else Wayne Cousins has done. But anyway, let's get on. Sarah's remains were found. They were discovered in Woodland near Ashford in Kent uh, around the 10th of March. I think around the 10th of March. Now, following the identification of Cousins, because it was, he was seen in that area, uh, and I think he was also charged then, they, they, they knew they went to interview him, they saw him, spoke to him, he sort of said it wasn't him. Then there's more evidence, and I think just the day before, the day they found her body, then they went back and they charged him with kidnap and murder. Uh, now, there's been a lot of issues around this case when it comes to, because he was a serving police officer, this case is quite large. One, because we've got the murder, then we've got the police uh, officers themselves, which we're going to in a little while. But then we've got the public's reaction to this as well. So this case seems a lot, but it really comes down to what we expect from public, what we expect our police officers to do, to be, you know, how to handle themselves, how to, you know, and how the police in the end um, do their training or select police officers and stuff. There's lots of issues in this case. It's, this case is not just about a murder now. You know, that bit's been solved. This bit's now opened up a can of worms, really. So listen, we had vigils that were held for Sarah, um, and it's one of the largest, actually, vigils in Clapham Common. That's where they held a vigil. Now, there was... Just loads of issues around this because at the time again we was in this COVID-19 where they're saying you can't mix with people this that and the other but society, English society, have had a bloody enough. We'd had enough of girls being murdered and you know the police saying well just don't walk the streets or you can't do this. You know this has been going on for years and then it turns out now that we've had a police officer murdering a young girl. Someone that's meant to serve and protect then turns out to be the predator. This country just went mad. Um, and then because they had this vigil, and they had lots of vigils all over the place, but the vigil actually that was held um, in Clapham Common turned into a nightmare, not only for the people that were, you know, doing the vigil, because these were a lot of women, men were there as well, calling out to stop, you know, hurt on women and, and to have the streets safer for women. And then the police go in and start to arrest these women and put them on the streets, put them on the floor, you know, so so aggressive. It's like, you know, do the police not know what they're doing, really? You know, you, there's a lots of easier ways. Now this, the people that have done this vigil had asked the police, could they do it? The police had said no. They said no. They could have said yes because they said yes to a lot of other different things. They said no to this one. Trying it under, you know, put it under the carpet, don't want it to be known, you know, keep this out of the press, all this sort of stuff, because the murderer here, the man that murdered this girl was a serving police officer. So yes, it looks bad on the police, but also what they did then to these people that on this vigil for this girl also looked bad. So there was a lot of backlash from them and we'll go a lot more into different things about the police and what's come out since then and about Wayne Cousins and also Wayne Cousins' colleagues at that time and around that time, what they were like, 
Um, there's lots of issues actually within our Metropolitan Police and I think the case of Sarah Everard has exploded this into the public and I don't think this situation is going to go anywhere. There needs to be lots of changes come from this. So yes, Sarah Everard um, was murdered, but I'm hoping that her case will help others and help other women and stop, help stop a lot of what's been going on. So that's the overview of the case. And so I think it's best now that we go in to her case and talk about Sarah. Sarah Everard was born in Surrey in 1987. She grew up in York. She attended Fulford School. She studied, um, I think, human um, ge geography at um, St Cuthbert's um, Society in Durham University. And at the time of her death, um, Sarah lived in Brixton Hill in London area and worked for a marketing company as an executive in digital media. So, you know, educated girl, well-liked girl, sensible girl, and uh, again, died way too early. On the 28th of February, 2021, Wayne Cousins, this 48-year-old serving Metropolitan Police Constable and Firearms Officer, booked a white Vauxhall car from a vehicle hire company in Dover. At 7 o'clock a.m. GMT time on the 3rd of March, he completed a 12-hour shift um, where he worked at the U.S. Embassy in London before travelling then to Kent to collect this hired car. He then drove back to London where he was recorded in Earl's Court and on Battersea Bridge. Now, after arriving in Clapham, he then drove to Earl's Court, and then he drove again, returning back to Clapham um, at about 21.30, something like that, in the evening, okay? So he was driving around. At around nine o'clock, 2100 hours, Sarah had left her friend's house, uh, just off near Clapham Junction, uh, and it was west, I think, of Clapham Common. And then she walked along the A205 South Circular Road across the Common en route to Brixton Hill, where her home was. Now, don't forget, at this sort of time, this man is driving around in this hired white car looking for her or looking for a victim. We know that now. So she spoke to her boyfriend on the phone for about 15 minutes and they agreed to meet the next day. So we knew what time she was still alive at. She was on the phone, she was walking because they say, you know, walk along and we'll talk about different health and safety stuff um, later on in the video or probably in the, the next part to this because I'm gonna have to do two parts to, to take everything in. So anyway, about 21.30, 21.28, she was seen on a doorbell camera footage in Ponders Road, about four minutes later on a dash cam of a policing, of a passing police car. At 21.34, now this was outside, I think, he parked on the pavement outside this Ponders Court. He had stopped Sarah then and showed her his police warrant card, right? I think in America you have the band, they have this police warrant card. It's a police warrant card, you can tell then, you know, they all say to check the police's number and their warrant card, but he showed her his warrant card. He was a serving police officer. So she's thinking, all right, I've been, what have I done? God knows. So he stopped and talked to her, showed her his warrant card before handcuffing her. So now we know because what he said was, he then made false up, you know, made up charges of COVID-19 charges because she said she had been at a friend's house and he said, then you've breached COVID rules. That's when he said you're under arrest. He put the first arm behind the back and this is when the passing car with the two witnesses saw that happening and then he um, handcuffed her second hand behind her back and placed her in the white Vauxhall car. 
so this is this is where we sort of get to with this. So then um, Wayne Cousins and Sarah were twice captured on CCTV for the first instance at 21.35, showed them outside or beside the hired Vauxhall car, and the second time at 21.38 showed the Vauxhall's number plate being picked up as it's driving away. Around this time, Cousins and Sarah entered the car and Cousins drove to Kent. The route, the car was, uh, you know, it was being tracked by using, you know, the ANPR system. We can check reg registration number plate, you know, stuff. And they tracked that car then to um, uh, Kent, where her body was later found. So at 23.43, Cousins and, or Wayne Cousins and Sarah, were in Dover and he had transferred she had transferred her to Wayne Cousins personal Seat car right so between 2353 and 1257 on the 4th of March Cousins mobile phone connected to the cell site in which in this area of Sibert uh, Ward and it is believed that this is when he raped Sarah. At some point at 2.30 a.m. in the morning, Cousins strangled Sarah using his police belt. Uh, the post-mortem concluded that she had died from compression of the neck. So what was going on around this time because now we've got Sarah missing. The boyfriend of Sarah, she, I think he contacted the police after, because she didn't meet him. Remember on the phone, the 15 minute phone call, Sarah was meant to meet him the next day. She didn't meet him, so then he was concerned. So he then contacted the police. The police then, after all this, and been looking for Sarah, and they found all this sort of evidence, found out that Cousins on that day returned the hire car that same day, the car he due to abduct her in. He then later drove to a place called Sandwich in Kent in his personal car where he disposed of Sarah's mobile phone uh, um, in, I think, one in, in one of the town's um, like watercourses, he, he, he threw it. Now, shortly after 11pm, Cousins brought approximately five litres of petrol from a service station. I'll show you the pictures, either going to be this side or this side, I don't know yet, of him collecting the petrol from the um, petrol station. Now, five litres of petrol, you know, it's, uh, we know now it was to burn her body and try and get rid of evidence. That's what we know about. Cousins, so far. So I think what he did with this petrol, he put, I think what he'd done after he murdered Sarah, because he had moved the body, I think, at least twice, or once or twice, he had moved the body. And he put the body inside the uh, refrigerator, and I think this was um, near, it's Hordswood, I think, in, in Kent, near Ashford in Kent, and that's where he buried her body inside this refrigerator, and that's what the five litres was petrol about. Now, don't forget, this man is a serving police officer, so he would know about evidence, and he'd done everything he could to try to get rid of the evidence here. Even if her body was found. You know, it's difficult, isn't it? When you have a burnt body to get any evidence to, at all, really. Anyway, on the afternoon of the 5th of March, he brought two large building bags from B&Q's, and I'll show you footage actually, and B&Q's is like a, you know, a center where you can go and get hardware stuff, that sort of thing. And then he returned then to this Hordeswood where he used one of the bags to dispose of um, Sarah's remains in a pond again. Cousins later said that he had suffered from stress and no longer wanted to carry a gun. On the 8th of March, uh, he, re I mean, he reported in ill from work. Because what happens with Cousins, right? He's murdered this girl. She's disappeared. Now... All of a sudden, 
there's evidence popping up that he didn't think was going to pop up. You see, he thought his plan was foolproof. You know, he'd thought it through. He'd hired a car, so it wasn't his works car. He's a serving police officer. No one's going to take any notice, are they, of someone being arrested by a police officer? Not in uniform, may I add. He was plain clothes police officer. So his mind at that point was, I've got away with it. Then all of a sudden, the car registration comes up. People start having to look through their dash cams, this, that and the other, and I think it was a bus cam in the end that saw him. Now he's close to getting caught. Now he's worried. Now he starts to back off from work. You know, his plan now, secondary plan is coming into action because he is a police officer, right? He knows the law. I'm ill. I can't remember things. And when the police officers come to his house, eventually come to his house about this, you know, he's too unwell, isn't he? It's, it's the plan. It's the secondary plan. Part A was the murder. If I get away with it, great. If I don't, I've got a secondary plan. This was his secondary plan. Anyway, at 16.20 on the 10th of March, police searching Hordswood found the remains of Sarah in a large building bag, approximately 100 metres from a plot of land that Wayne Cousins owns. So now the net's tightening, isn't it? There are lots of different things now are coming into it. And I think it was after that, actually, that police in Dover then also searched um, a formal uh, body repair and uh, garage. Uh, and that was also previously owned as, as well by Cousins' family. Um, and then on the 12th of March, um, Sarah's body was identified by dental records because that's the only way they could identify her because he had not only raped and strangled her, he had destroyed her body so that their evidence could have anything and her family had have no way of identifying her at all apart from the dental records. Two days later police forced uh, focus their search and operation around the rope walk and they you know they searched it all out and um, approximately one square mile from the town in relation to this investigation. So there was a lot of searches going on because don't forget this man had moved this body a couple of times. You have the phone in one place, he'd moved the body, he'd raped her in one place, moved her to another, probably killed her in another, then burnt her in another. There's lots of different areas here that he tried to cover his tracks. He tried to really do hard to cover his tracks. So on the 16th of March, Sarah's phone was um, found by specialist divers, and I think this was in um, a place called Sandwich, uh, and it was in the watercourse there where they found her phone. On the 9th of March, Kent police arrested Cousins um, in his home, and actually in Deal, that's where his home is, on suspicion of kidnapping. Then after they found the body, then they changed it to kidnap and murder. A woman in her 30s was also arrested at the time, and it's... Um, and you know, on the suspicion of assisting with the offender, that was probably his wife at the time. And uh, this man was married and had two children. Um, but she was sub subsequently released without charge because it looks like that she was another, I suppose, victim in this because um, she knew nothing. I don't know how though, because when you read about cousins, I, I wouldn't have said he was a nice husband. Uh, but whether you would have thought he was a murderer, I don't. I, I I believe that she didn't know he was a murderer. I should have took that one back. But I believe that she thought there was something. There was definitely something about him. But anyway, we're going into more about that. So the police arrived at the house around 17:45 and entered it. And at 19:50, they made the arrest of Wayne Cousins for the murder, kidnap and murder, of Sarah Everard. So the police officer in him must have thought, oh, they're closing in. So about 40 minutes before he was arrested, Cousins tried to wipe the data from his mobile phone. When the interview uh, interviewed, he initially claimed that he did not recognise Sarah at all after being shown a photograph of her. I think he must have been the only one in this country at that point that didn't, because she was everywhere. So there was issues there. He didn't say, oh, I've seen her on the telly or whatever. No, I don't know her. Really. Anyway, he then claimed that he was having financial problems after paying for sex in Folkestone. 
uh, and that a gang of Eastern Europeans had threatened him and his family, demanding he deliver another girl. After <laughs> underpaying, underpaying um, a prostitute for a few weeks before. Now, you know, everyone likes to blame an Eastern European. You know, this man is mad. His whole thing was, I didn't want to kidnap her, but I had to kidnap her because I owed such a debt, and I think his actual debt was about £26,000 that he had knocked up for, um, you know, you having sexual services, whether that was online or whatever he did. Uh, it was about £26,000 that this man owed. He was very much into hardcore pornography, uh, and that was a, there was a lot of that found actually on his um, computer and other things, and actually was also into very young girls and stuff. Um, there was a lot to this man, but there was no connection between him and Eastern Europeans. There was certainly no connection that any Eastern European persons or person has asked him to kidnap and traffic a young girl. This murder of Sarah Everard was all about Wayne Cousins' fantasies. That's all it was ever about. He was so hooked on hardcore porn. He believed that he had so much power because he was a serving police officer that he felt that he could just take someone off the streets, murder them terribly, destroy their family, destroy their life, destroy their body, um, so even their family can't recognise them, because he wanted to do that. Then to use the excuse of, of Eastern Europeans, you know, which was proven to be lies, because this man is a total liar, always has been, uh, was just uh, terrible. Now, um, there's a lot about Cousins' background when you look at it, but I think there's issues as we look at his background to what then comes up with the Metropolitan Police, you know, uh, when they do their selection process. Or if they are, you know, when you're going to give a serving police officer that's maybe already had a few issues with women and stuff, a gun or a license then to use the gun. Also quite a high ranking position is to look after the US Embassy. You know, this man is a murderer. This man is a criminal. God knows what else this man has done, we can only imagine, but I think there's more. So anyway, let's look at this background of this serving Metropolitan Police Officer that raped and murdered, burnt Sarah Everard, shall we? So Cousin joined the Metropolitan Police, the Met Police, in September 2018. In February 2020, he was assigned to the Parliamentary and Diplomatic Protection, the PADP now, <laughs> branch. Now, this was a division, Responsibility for Ununiformed Protection of Government and Diplomatic Premises. I mean, <laughs> he had not undergone any, I mean, he had read it, like any, enhanced vetting as part of this recruitment, nor had he gone through any mandatory two-year probation period with the Met before joining this department. Well, now here we go with the Met. How bad are we going to get here? It gets worse than this. Now there's a lot with this, <laughs> with this man. A previous friend has said that when Wayne Cousins was 23 years old, he had a long-term sexual relationship with a 14-year-old for a very, very long time. 
this is probably before he went on got married and had a couple of children but this was his background there's other issues now right with cousins so apart from knowing the police and going into the police station when he's arrested and trying to smash his head against the wall and saying that he's you know had got diminished responsibility he's got mental health issues because they all throw up mental health when they need a you know an excuse to get away with murder but luckily he didn't get away with it but there's a lot to this cousins there's also a lot with this met police because no vetting now he'd already been i think in 2005 in 2013 i think the other one was where he had exposed himself now we'll talk about exposing in in that way then we've had a few cases where people have you know exposed themselves we've just had one that you know went on didn't need to do a couple of murders and then um they've released him but we're going that's another case altogether but anyway he had gone into a local, I think this was 2013 or 2015, to a local McDonald's. Now we all know in McDonald's, a lot of the young people work in McDonald's, school holidays and different things like this, and exposed himself, serving police officer. I think they recognised, the police recognised his um, number plate, and that then, there was no further charges laid for that. But there's issues there. There's issues because when a man or a woman, or anyone, to tell the truth, starts exposing themselves, there's more underlying things going on. And we're, that's a whole different thing, but we'll be talking about that probably in, um, let's have a chat about murder, or one of the other ones, murder mornings, probably. But there's issues there, isn't there? When you have someone that's exposing himself into, in, the, in, in a McDonald's, where you have children, where you have young people working, where you have someone that his own colleagues called the rapist. That was his nickname, the rapist. This was how their mentality is in the Met Police. We had these same officers, his so-called friends, his colleagues, having a WhatsApp chat group, which was quite derogatory actually. There were some quite bad things on it. I think a lot of them have either been suspended. They shouldn't just be suspended, they should be sacked. But this is what was going on at this time when this Wayne Cousins was coming up through the ranks with no vetting even though he'd done certain things quite some serious things really he'd done no one seemed to give a shit did they they allowed this man to come up they actually after that gave this man a gun license a weapon he was in charge of you know government buildings the protection of them of our embassies, of our, you know, and you just think, hang on a minute, what's going on here? Then I find out that when he is actually charged, and we'll talk about that in a little while, that one or two of his so-called colleagues, you know, serving Met Police officers, wanted to give him a character reference. Now, this starts then to open up about things about what is really going on in our metropolitan police what's really going on with the police now i really feel sorry for oh, i'm going to say it now a lot of the police officers the women police officers that would have had to have worked with these pieces of shit that think that they can say derogatory things that call their colleague the rapist because of the way he was towards women and the way he acted and done things towards women. This is a serving police officer we're talking about here. His colleagues, the girl colleagues, the women colleagues, they're already saying they couldn't come forward. What could they do? Who's going to believe them? Because this is mentality, isn't it, that we've got. We, have, we allow serving police officers to behave like this and we all know with WhatsApp and we've talked about WhatsApp that you can send images and stuff through WhatsApp because of the encryption and stuff, you can't find it. And this is what they was using, this WhatsApp group between these men, these, you know, serving police officers, uh, the people that called it, calling this man the rapist. They wanted to go to court to give character witnesses for a kidnapping raping, murdering, serving police officer. 
oh my gosh, of course the Met is absolutely devastated. They can't believe it. This isn't just one bad fish in a big pond. This has opened up a can of worms, literally, for this Metropolitan Police Officer. Now the Met is run by, oh God, what's her name? Uh, I can't think of her name now, but it's run by a woman. We'll come up with her in a little while. And, you know, I don't know if this woman at the head of it, oh, I can't think of her name. I mean, she isn't well liked, I'll, I'll think of it. But, you know, if you're going to run an organisation like this, if you are going to be the head of an organisation, it has to be, you can't be put in that position just because you're a woman, right? You have to have the right to take the power, to take control um, of this institution, which is largely male-run. You know, we can't keep placing women in positions of power like this just to be the figurehead, just to make it cover up, you know, oh, let's look good, you know, we ticked another box there, you know, the equality box, you know, is she black, is she white, is she female, is it, you know, are they gay, are they straight, you know, just to tick a box. If you're going to put people in positions where they're going to run organisations, they need to bloody run them. And obviously, this woman hasn't got a clue about what's going on in the Metropolitan Police. Actually, I don't think the government's got a clue at all. Anyway, Boris Johnson says it's devastated this, that and the other. We've had other women die since this. No, not by serving police officers at all. They weren't by serving police officers. But, you know, our police, it's about consent. If we don't take some control over our police and, and have this really, you know, um, a, a, an, an open you know relationship with them we need to understand about what's going on we need to have lots of control over the police here because we are policing you know it's about consent isn't it this case has brought up so many things i think especially for us you know we fight against don't we women's crime we say we want to keep you safe and stuff but if we can't rely on our police to keep you safe sarah couldn't rely on her police. Who would have thought that a serving police officer would have handcuffed you, put you in the back of a car, and then murdered you? Who would have thought it? Who would have? But it's going to happen because police officers are human, right? That's that's human. But it seems to be this cover-up. It seems to be that all this was in plain view. This man had a history. This man had issues. He had issues. He was already exposing himself to women. He already had this attitude towards women. That was accepted. Laughed at. Liked. They had their WhatsApp group. You know, that it was alright to put down women, to talk about women. He was in £26,000 worth of debt because of his sex addiction. Because of his hardcore porn that he loved. You know, there was issues here. If we're not vetting people before we give them positions of power that can come into our society, take our female, our women off the street or our children, because it could have been, because this man didn't care. He didn't care. Sarah Eddard was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. It could have been anybody. Anybody. Now let me ask you a question for you to think about. If a serving police officer in the UK come up to you and was going to arrest you, he was plain clothes, he showed you his warrant card, you're in the middle of a street. Personally, myself, right, you would have had to have gone with them, wouldn't you? Because none of us want to be accused of, you know, <laughs> not, you know, doing something like running away from being arrested and stuff like that, you know. We can't do that, can we? We would have a record for doing that. What I would have thought was, this is a bogus charge. He's an idiot. That's what I would have thought. He didn't know what he's doing. I'll sort this out when I get to the police station. That's what I would have thought. What would you have thought? Now, this government's whole thing is about um, London's safe. No, London is not safe. Uh, if you get stopped by someone 
police officer start screaming, run, flag down a bus in between its stops in London, that ain't going to happen either. There's a lot of issues here with this whole case. So anyway, Cousins then goes to court. He doesn't get away with uh, diminished responsibility. The judges have none of it. He is charged then with kidnap uh, and murder of Sarah. He is, um, he stands up in court and I mean, literally it's just sentencing because in the end he pleaded guilty. He knew there was a lot of evidence. But again, this man is a serving police officer. So what's he done? He knows that, and we talked about this before, is when you give yourself up, you save the court money, time, money. They haven't got to go and investigate. You're saving the family, aren't you? Going to court and have to hear all these details because you pleaded guilty. You know, out the goodness of his heart, really. This is what he's trying to say. So when the judge hands down a sentence of Wayne Cousins, of life without parole, he is one of the very few lifers who never get out. He said, hang on a minute, you can't do that. I've done everything I'm meant to do. I have saved you time and money. I've saved that family from having to sit through a court case and listen to all what I've done to their daughter. You're not meant to give me that. You're meant to give me so many years. But the judge said no. What you forgot is you was a serving police officer at the time of doing this murder. <laughs> you took someone's life using the pretense of a COVID-19 charge, botched up charge. You the one, he said, that decided to take the life of Sarah Everard. And so you will spend the rest of your life in prison without any chance of parole. Now this just shows you, doesn't it, what Wayne Cousins is about. It must also show us what some of his friends and colleagues that wanted to give this man you know, this a statement of how good his character is. Really. This is what you're up against. This is in England what we are up against. So there is lots of people in England that are fighting for change. That they want in a proper inquiry into the Metropolitan Police and how it's run. Because I think until we do that, this is never going to change. Because if we can't really believe that we are protected by the police, then we will have anarchy. So listen, I feel really sorry for Sarah Everard's family. Her mother has said that yes, she was murdered, she understands that, but why did he have to burn her body? And she feels that that drive, that 40 minute drive from London to Kent, what was he saying to Sarah? What was the fear for Sarah? Because she would have known. And that's what plays on the mum's mind. The sister of Sarah has said all they ever talked about was getting old together, counting each other's lines, you know, who's gonna have more of them or not, a little bit like my and my sisters and that do. This man, took away a life, this serving police officer, this man who was a married family man, seemingly perfect to the outside world, really, but not to his colleagues. You know, they called him the rapist, didn't they? So they already knew. He'd flashed to women and children, really, because he'd done it in McDonald's. He was already had very young girlfriends. He liked them young. Sarah Everard looked very young. And as I said to you, Sarah could have been anybody. Wayne Cousins had planned this murder. He'd hired the car. He'd been to got all the shopping, little bits and pieces, the tape. Then he went and got the petrol to get through, you know, get rid of the body. I'll show you the pictures of what we got of him. The case, this whole murder 
was planned. It's just, he's just waiting for a victim. And that's what's really sad, isn't it? That Sarah died really only to save somebody else when you look at it. Because if it hadn't have been her that night, it would have been someone. So listen, this has been the Sarah Everard case. And I am going to do a follow-up with this. So I want to talk about, and I want you to think about what you would have done. What do you think about this case? What do you think about this man? What do you think about his colleagues that called him the rapist? That had a WhatsApp group that they was just saying all these things about women and how they talked about women. What do you think about him being, you know, given character witnesses by serving police officers? What do you think about the Metropolitan Police? What do you think needs to be done? Let me know what you think. So anyway, don't forget Sarah, because without Sarah, these failings of this police wouldn't really be at the forefront of our mind, would they? So hopefully, when you look at it that way, Sarah Everard didn't die in vain, hopefully. So, you know what to do? Thumbs up if you like this case you can subscribe um, anytime you'd like you can catch me up on um, because this is going to go on podcast on let's have a chat about murder so in the week I'll give you a few days to start putting some questions up and we'll do some question and answers and stuff now I'm back there's going to be a lot there's going to be a lot also going to do a um, bit of a talk on that about about this a lot of this flashing you know like exposing yourself there's been a really high rate of that lately in the UK. I don't know how it is in the rest of the world, but in the UK, that's gone up a tremendous amount. I'm going to look at why that's gone up like that and then how it can lead to, because it is an escalation, how it can lead to that, you know, to what Wayne Cousins did. Um, but there's a lot about Wayne Cousins. There really is a lot about Wayne Cousins. And we'll talk about that as we go through more. But I didn't want this case all about Wayne Cousins. Right. The old Bailey's sorted him out, he's put him in, uh, I think, Belmarsh, I think he was putting his anyways away. And he's away now for the rest of his natural life. Of course he's going to appeal. Of course he is. Hopefully he won't win it. Because I think anybody, with any sense, really, will not reduce the sentence of this man. I think there'd be outrage in this country. So anyway, thank you. Speak to you all soon. Take care. Bye.